Hello and welcome. This is Justin Burkholder here. Rob Schmidt. Matt Weiner. And we are here to talk about Bleacher Ball, which we will cover different sports topics around the leagues uh, between the Major League Baseball, National Football League, National Basketball Association, and other topics in sports. And we hope that you join us for our many different episodes that we host here. But thank you and welcome to our first episode in which we'll begin here by talking about baseball free agency, which has finally starting to come to an end here in the mid-March era here, but it has been since late October that the Red Sox were World Series champions and this offseason had many expectations with the, the big headline names of Harper and Machado. Guys, what do you think? How would you grade this offseason? I don't know. I, th- I think that uh, Machado signing, obviously, you know, it shows his character. He's all about the money, doesn't care about winning. I mean, obviously, that's been true and true with being on the Orioles and the only time we even had a chance to win the World Series with the Dodgers. And you could tell by the lack of hustle and the cheap shot at first base when he tried to step on the first baseman's foot for the Brewers. I mean, it just shows his character as a, as a ball player. All he's always worried about is the money. And then you got a guy like Harper who, you know, had his whole entire career with the Nationals and signed with the Phillies in the offseason. And I, I think he's still not over D.C. considering that uh, when he's in his press conference with the Phillies, he says, I can't wait to bring a title back to D.C., so, you know, I mean, there's been a lot of big free agent moves. Me personally, I'm a Yankees fan. I like what they did. I think that they could have spent more money. But, you know, it's been a good offseason so far. Mm. Yeah, I have to say that. Um, I definitely think Machado was definitely out for the money. And, I mean, it just shows you what kind of a ball player he is. Um, coming out of Baltimore, again, I'm also a Yankee fan. Um, the Yankees were definitely interested in him from since last trade deadline. They... I'm pretty sure they offered the Baltimore Orioles a trade, and they backed out last second um, due to not wanting to give up Clint Frazier, one of their top prospects, um, which is understandable because you're not really going to know where he's going to go in the free agency next year, so you don't want to take that one-year risk. And I think that's a, it paid off for the Yankees because he ended up going for the money, and the Padres gave him well worth what he – well, more than what he's worth, in my opinion. Um Bryce Harper, don't count those Phillies. They're they're gonna be good. They just got that catcher, Real Muto from the Miami Marlins. I mean, they got that. They got their stud ace. I mean, they're they're a young club. Oh, they're they're, they're studs. They got Arietta. They got Nola. Oh, yeah. They got Segura from the Mariners, which is underrated. You know, he he's an All Star last year. He was he hit almost forty home runs, if not more than forty home runs. You know, he played on a Mariners team where you know Robinson Cano was the face. He got pegged with PEDs, and everybody wrote the Mariners off, and Segura, along with, you know, Diaz, they got traded to the Mets, they kept the team afloat. So, you know, going from where it used to be King Felix starting pitching, and, you know, they they put everything together and put Felix in the bullpen, and they were a young ball club, and I think he's going to help, help the Phillies out a lot. Yeah, we'll get to the best uh, team, the best offseason, but... Um for a team this offseason. But first, I want to talk about this whole offseason dragging out. I mean, Harper just decided on February 28th where he was going, Machado about a week or two before that. Uh, this dragged on way longer than fans wanted, and it started to 
um, seem to just bore fans to death a little bit. How do you guys think that Major League Baseball is going to respond to this and the overall state for for the fans? I mean, of course. I mean, I think everyone was very, very done with the whole Bryce Harper and Manny Machado drama, if you will. Um, they're not LeBron James. I mean, they're not going to go get their own TV show and announce it on ESPN. I mean, I was just done with it from December on. I mean, every single day you're looking up on ESPN, you're looking at Twitter, you're looking at the latest news. Oh, Manny Machado going to the Yankees. Manny Machado going to the Phillies. It's Destin. Look at the White Sox. Manny Machado's for sure going to the White Sox because they just signed his uh, brother-in-law. I mean, come on. It it was dragged out way too long. There's just a lot of hype around it, you know, and that's what baseball needed. They needed a couple faces that are, you know, going to be the hype of free agency. I mean, if you think back to when we were kids, you know, you're you're thinking, oh, Alex Rodriguez, you know, Manny, Manny Ramirez, big name guys that you had no clue where, where you were going. But at the same time, it wasn't this game of, oh, I'll give you this much and this team will give you that much. You know, when A-Rod got his contract, the Yankees gave him the most money and they gave him the opportunity to win right now. You know, there's not a lot of teams out there that are in the market to buy guys like Harper and Machado that are in the position to win right now. If you think about it, you got teams like the Astros who built through their farm system you got teams like the Yankees who have traded away key assets at you know pivotal points in the seasons when they know that they're not going to win the World Series to get draft picks and prospects and build their farm system. Teams just aren't going out and you know shelling out the big bucks like you would in the NFL or the NBA to get the number one guy. You know, Machado got a lot of money, sure, but you got to think about it. When everybody was talking about Harper to become a free agent, everybody was putting. Five hundred million on his name. He only got what three, three, thirteen years, thir- three, three hundred thirty million, something like that. You know, there's only one guy in baseball that's going to get a contract like that, and he plays for the Angels. And the only way he's leaving is if he goes to Philly because he's a Philly kid. You know, he's not the type of guy that's worried about money. What do you think about on that subject? What do you think about Bryce Harper's comments about that he's going to recruit Mike Trout into Philly? I love it. I love the fact that Harper doesn't care about the collusion and the collaboration and all that crap. Fine him. Who gives a crap? It's $25,000. It's Trump changed them. He wants to win a championship. That's why Harper left the D.C. area. He had a great team there. He had Scherzer, you know, Strasburg. He had pieces around him. He just could never get over the hump because he, he didn't have a winning culture there. Yeah, I don't, I don't see a problem with it either. Uh, I understand the aspect for the MLB, but you see these guys hang out at the All-Star game every summer, and they're talking to each other. Throughout the year, you know, Harper mentioned that he has talked to Hoskins, who has Boris as his agent as well. He's talking to these guys, asking what the culture is like in the city, asking what the fan base is like. And he already knows, for most part, he's played in Citizens Bank Park against the Phillies many times in the last six years of his career. But, I mean, just to say out loud publicly, I don't think it has too much of a, an issue compared to them texting each other and just having conversations with each other. I just don't think the MLB is going to do anything about it. They threatened them to find them. And, you know, I think until it comes out again, I mean, after they threatened him, what did Harper do? He went right back out and said, I don't care. I want the man. I want to play with the man. It's not a big deal. And the MLB still hasn't fined him. Because I think Major League League Baseball realizes 
that they're losing to some of these other markets like the NFL and the NBA. Then they realize that guys like Bryce Harper, who have character and will are willing to speak up, is good for the brand. You know, if if you think about the NBA, who's the NBA spokesperson? You got LeBron. You got guys that are going to speak out. You got Draymond, Boogie, Kevin Durant, guys that are willing to speak their mind. Look at Russell Westbrook the other day. You know, it they just have so much more immediate attention around them than baseball, especially because it's the off season. You know, and in the off season to keep a fan of baseball you know, happy and continued to following the sport, you have free agency. So that's another reason why I think Harper and Machado held out so long that they did because, you know, if you think about it, Machado only got another $80 million. He got offered 220 by the White Sox, and that was the best offer. He held out, sure, and, you know, he made an extra 4 or $5 million a year, but it was nothing compared to what he actually wanted. So Scott Boras, as an agent... Would you say he accomplished his job um, as an agent? Because we all know that Scott Boras, with all his other um, players, that he does the waiting game. He does. He plays it long. He tries to make the teams get all paranoid on each other and thinking that they're going to outbid the other one last second. Um, do you think that he did the job for Machado and, or for Harper? I mean... Not for not for Machado. Yeah, no, Ma- not Machado is a different Ma- agent. Ma- yeah. Machado... He wanted the money. Any agent knew that. You know, with with Harper, it's a different thing because, you know, if the Yankees were going to give Bryce Harper ten mil, ten years, two hundred eighty million, and the Phillies are going to give him thirteen years, three hundred thirty million, yeah, three hundred thirty million sounds better. But in the long run, the Yankees are giving him a better contract. You know, I think he wanted to play in a culture where he knew he could win and also win consecutively. You know, the Yankees are young, but all of the guys that are on their team are on their rookie contracts, like Judge, Sanchez, all those guys. You know, everybody in Philly is already locked up. You got Nola, you got Arietta, you got Hoskins, you got uh, Franco. You, Real Muto. It, 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 Real Muto now with the trade for um, Alfaro. You know, they have a lot of young talent along with veteran pitching in Arietta and a couple of the arms that they have in the bullpen now with Robertson. You know, they, they built the culture – for we're young, but we also have savvy vets that have been there and done that in the playoffs. Yeah, I would say that since Scott Boras basically invented the opt-out in a contract, for for Harper to take a contract that, that has zero opt-outs, yes, Harper did get the best long-term deal um, from the Phillies, and he, of course, accepted that, but I think this was beyond baseball. And, I mean, you could hear from Harper in his comments where he said he, he wants to find a place where he can settle down, have some kids with his wife, and really establish his legacy in one city for the rest of his career. And I think Boris listened to that, and he communicated that to the owners. Um, But on the other end, and now we have a guy like Dallas Keuchel who's sitting around without a job right now with Scott Boris as his agent, and and you have to look and wonder, what is Scott Boris doing with him? Um, Obviously, he doesn't have a job right now, and it's mid-March, just two weeks from opening day, and so... I think the way that Boris has handled this um, specific contract with Keiko hasn't been um, great for either side. See, and I, I think that that's, that's tough to say on the sense that, you know, Keiko's come from a winning atmosphere in, in Houston, but he was also at the bottom of the barrel when they were bad. So as you're older in your career, Keiko's still got gas in the tank. 
I don't care what anybody says. He, he's an easily he's easily a number two on most teams, and you know, look at the team like the Yankees who just lost Severino to the start of the season. Look at the fact that they lost Sabathia. He's hurt. For them to go out and publicly say that they're not going to go sign Keuchel makes it tougher for Boris to get deals done with other teams because who's the team with the most glaring need right now if they want to compete for a championship? The Yankees. And they've come out and publicly said they don't want him. So it either has to deal with the amount of money he wants, the type of contract he wants. I don't doubt for a second that the Yankees would sign Keuchel to a one-year deal for you know, $12, $13 million. But he, he's got too big of a head in the sense that that's not enough money for him, and he wants a longer contract because he's a pitcher in his mid-30s that says, I want to get a contract for six or seven years so that I know later on in my career that I, I, I'm on the team that I'm going to be on, that I'm going to be getting that paycheck every year. And that's why he hasn't signed because nobody wants to give him a long-term deal. Yeah, you hit right in the head. I think um, definitely the Yankees came out and said – we're not going to sign him, and it's the age. He's, I bet he's looking for a five, six-year deal, ton of money, and, I mean, just a lefty pitcher who's in his mid-30s, very, very old. I mean, I'm not thinking – I see he's got maybe one, maybe two more productive years in his entire career, and I don't see it going past that. And right now he's just trying to lock up his future. He's trying to make sure he can get that money no matter what he does. Even if he stinks two years down the road and they cut him, he'll still get his money. Yeah, I mean, it's a win-win. He's already got his ring. I mean, it, when it comes down to it, you want to you want to protect yourself as a player after you've already gotten your title, you've already gotten paid in some aspect. You just want that security blanket. You know, six years down the road, I still want to be getting paid enough that I think I deserve. Even like look at CC Sabathia, when he came from the Brewers to the Yankees, he wasn't the power arm three years removed. You know, he he had to reinvent the wheel and learn how to pitch with different stuff. Keuchel, throughout his career, has dominated people with his changeup, with the ability to get people out with his off-speed pitches. So it's not like he's got to reinvent the wheel and, oh, I was throwing 95-96, now I'm going to go and paint the corners and throw off-speed. You know, he's he's a different type of pitcher. Yeah, I want to transition on to, as well as, talking about Craig Kimbrell, who's 30 years old, and then Dallas Keiko is 31. And it just seems that right now the magic number is 30 for the age of a player um, not receiving a long-term contract. You know, you've seen that this offseason. You've seen many guys get two-year deals when they're expecting longer. Uh, but I, I have a statistic here um, that I want to read about players um, with six years of experience or less. So... of the wins above replacement, the war, is attributed to players with six years of experience or less. But 75% of the money is going to players with seven years' experience or more. So clearly here, the equilibrium is imbalanced, and you can see that the younger players are not getting paid as much, but the players with more experience are, are getting paid more, but clearly these contracts are shorter term now. Do you see this trending in the same direction moving forward with these guys who are in their low 30s who, I mean, you you have Craig Kimbrell coming off arguably the best year of his career and still not having a team by mid-March. So so what's, what does this look like for the next couple of years? Well, just sticking on the Craig Kimbrell type of thing, I mean, 
as a Yankee fan, they, the man killed us. I mean, he's just a hard-throwing righty. I mean, just the way his arm, his, the way he, he throws the ball, it does, it's like a sidearm almost. And it throws him off with a cutter, and it just, it, he's a deadly pitcher. He's a great closer. Uh, throws the ball high, I think, believe high 90s, 96, 97. And it, he's just tough to face out of the bullpen. He really is. And I think it's, he's trying to do the same thing as Keiko, I think. He's trying, he knows that he's getting older and he wants money. He wants to ensure his future. I think he wants to stay with the Red Sox. I think he's praying to God that they bring him back. Because why not? They had, the, they had one of the greatest seasons of all time. Over 100 wins. I mean, the team was dominant. I've heard an argument that they were the best team in MLB history. I mean, ever. I mean, I wouldn't go that far. They were good. 108 wins in the regular season, and they only lost three times in the playoffs. I mean, that's that's pretty tough to do. They won 12 games in the playoffs. I mean, that's they won 120 games all year, and they didn't re-sign this man. I mean, it, it's got to show that he wants a long-term deal because if they really wanted him back, they would have signed him to a one-year deal, gave him the $12, 15000000 million, said, hey, let's go win another one. But, it, like you said, it, it's just not – what they are looking for, pitchers in this day and age that are 30 and up. They're looking to get a big contract. And the last pitcher to really do that, to get a fat contract after the age of 30 years old, was C.C. Sabathia. He got re-signed with the Yankees and got a fat contract. And, you know, for somebody like Craig Kimbrell, who is a closer, it's tougher, it's even more tougher, because you're known as a closer. So let's say he goes out, and signed some massive deal. Look at Jonathan Papelbon with the Phillies. Okay, He signed a fat contract, and then what did he do? Shit the bed. Didn't do nothing. Literally could not do anything. It, it, and that's why people are scared of signing closers long-term towards the end of their careers. Because what happens if they lose a couple miles on their fastball? They lose their command. It, it, you don't want to put in an investment on a guy that is 30 years old when you can go out and do what the Mets just did, trade away a couple prospects and get one of the hardest throwers in baseball in Edwin Diaz. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can trade for a closer. And especially with that new that new rollout that the MLB is uh, confirming now that there's a three batter minimum for every reliever or for every pitcher in general. So you have a closer who's losing velocity late in the game. How How long do you want to keep him in? I mean... Usually this will affect left-handed relievers primarily who are specialists, but even a rated closer who is not thrown as hard, but he's on this huge contract. I mean, what do you do in that setting? But All right, moving on, I want to hear who you guys think had the best offseason. So clearly you have the Phillies up there, you know, as we mentioned earlier, getting Harper, Real Muto, Segura McCutcheon, David Robertson, and then I think the Yankees also had a really good offseason. Um Getting DJ Mayhew, Zach Britton, James Paxton, even re-signing J.A. Happ. Um, and then you have some other teams such as the Nationals, the Mets, Cardinals, all getting better this offseason. So who do you guys think, yeah, who do you think had the best offseason? I mean, for a team that is trying to compete right now and was already in the playoffs last year, I, I'd have to say it's, it's a toss-up between the Yankees and you could you could even put in the Red Sox with a couple of the signings that they made. But I think overall, you can't sleep on what the Mets did. The Mets went from last place 
in their division to they're a contender. They're going to battle with Philly. They're going to battle with Washington. They're going to they're going to compete. They got Cano, who yeah, he's at the later stage of his career, but he's a veteran leader in the locker room in New York, where he's always thrived. He played amazing in the Yankees in New York. He he can obviously handle the limelight. Then they got a hard throwing relief pitcher in Diaz, and they made a couple other signings. And I mean, they were already young as it is. And the thing is, everybody thought that the Grom and Syndergaard were gone last year by the trade deadline. They held on to them because they had a plan that they could go out and implement change within the year. And they went out and they got pieces to add. And I think that they're one of the scarier teams in baseball that nobody's talking about. You know, the Mets, they sucked last year. Flat out, they sucked. But I I could see them being a wild card team this year easily. And I, I value that more than a team that was already in the playoffs that added more firepower because you've already proved that you can do it. You're just adding guys, and maybe they don't even fit. Like you said, LeMayhew with the Yankees. Where does he play? Glyber Torres is the second baseman. They signed Tulowitzki. He's the, he's the shortstop. But they're just short-term guys. It's a good signing, sure. But when D.D. Gregorius comes back and if Glyber Torres stays healthy, LeMayhew isn't seeing the field. Tortulowitzki isn't seeing the field. They probably won't even see it as a DH because you got Sanchez, you got Judge, you got Stanton, all of them. You know. Yeah, I disagree with you there. I I think the Mets had a good off season for for what they have, but the Phillies only were ahead of them in the in the East Division by three games last year. Considering the Mets had many injuries, I mean you had Cespedes out for a while last year, and so. Cano's later in his career, I, I think he's still got some left in his tank, but considering what the Phillies did, I mean, just adding pieces to the lineup. I mean, you have a power bat in Bryce Harper. You know you're going to get home runs in Citizen Bank Park. You have arguably the best catcher of the game in Real Muto. Great defensively as well. Gene Segura, great contact hitter along with Andrew McCutcheon. I just see too much improvement from the Phillies this offseason compared to what the Mets did. And so... I'm going to have to lean in with the Phillies here. i got to hand it to the Yankees. I mean, I, I, I just love what they did. The pitching was absolutely horrendous. Horrendous when we were playing the ALDS. It was awful. The Red Sox absolutely ripped us apart. Oh, my goodness. It was so bad. The runs were, what were some of the games like? Ten to two. I mean, you're playing. You're playing the World like, Series champion, though. I mean, the Red Sox yeah. were no scrubs. They they no, were no, they, by no means. By no means. But I'm just saying. You're the Yankees. You're New York Yankees. You, you don't get smacked around by your rivals in the ALDS. I mean, we're this isn't just this year. We're talking about like this is history. This is this is rivalry. Red Sox and Yankees, and you, and you just can't get smacked. Maybe if you lose. By two or three yeah, runs. I think they had one game where it was like 14 to yeah. 1. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just bad. It's just embarrassing. It's tough to watch. I won't, I won't disagree it was, with that. It, it was just hard to watch, especially knowing that the hype is there with the rivalry. I mean, this is like Derek Jeter, David Ortiz. I mean, we're talking like Ted Williams, Mickey Mantle type that, of stuff. Don, like, Don Zimmer mean, yeah. throwing Pedro Martinez to the ground type. Exactly. No, I agree. And I agree. I just felt that, I mean, look at Brian Cashman. He came out and... Knew it was pitching right away. He said, we're going pitching. And he came out, James Paxton, re-signed J.A. Ahab. I mean, I just thought, I felt like they would have took a look at Dallas Keuchel. But again, we talked about his age. Well, and, and the fact that it's another lefty in the lineup. You know, exactly. you only got two righties right Exactly. With the, with the loss of CeCe and the loss of Severino. Um, it, 
Masahiro Tanaka has not been living up to his potential, in my opinion. In my opinion, I feel like he definitely could be doing better for the amount of money that he's getting paid right now. I I hate to say it, but I don't see him having an amazing years here. I see him having about the same years last year. Um, so I would like to see them add another arm to the rotation by the trade deadline. Now, now I want to reiterate, you, you picked the Phillies, correct? I did. Now, so you said G- uh, JT Real Muto, best catcher. Mm-hmm. Okay, who was your guys' catcher last year? It was uh, Wilson Ramos, right? He's on the Mets. He, he's a top five catcher. Um, now, you got Gene Segura, he's who played shortstop. Wilson Ramos? He's, he's, a, he's a top five hitting catcher, and defensively, he's not a scrub. Mind you, the best defensive catcher in baseball last year was Alfaro. Jorge Alfaro, who got traded for Real Muto. Yeah. So, with that being said, Real Muto's good. Played on a trash team in the Marlins. Makes his stats look better because everybody else on the team now was do you not see, as good. Now do you see him oh, having yes. his stats jacked up this year? Because now he has now he has reason to play. Last year, last season, I, he I think he's, to play. I think he's one of the most overrated guys in he, baseball. He hit in one of the hardest stadiums to hit in all year, and he had a way better average away. Look at look and, at Giancarlo Stanton. He, 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 he destroyed teams when he played in Miami. But here, but he comes to the Yankees, what does he do? But here's he, the thing, nothing. though. You got, the way I'm looking at compared, this. Compared to what he did in Miami. I mean... Um, I, I don't think he's going to live up to the hype. I don't think he can handle the pressure. I don't think he can. JT? I, I, yes, I don't think he can. I don't think, think he, he has the pressure, though, because he's in a lineup now where he's not the main guy anymore. He can hit five or six. I agree. And he's a great contact I hitter, agree. and I think he will have a limited role, but still very critically important. And so I think he'll... I'll make a bold statement that I think that the Mets will finish higher than the Phillies in the standings. Who do you have winning the division? I hate to say it, but I think Washington's going to win, win the division. I think they're going to surprise a lot of teams. Because the only player they really lost was Harper. That was it. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I love Bryce Harper. Loved him ever since he was playing on the USA team. But the man strikes out a lot. Like, I'm an avid Yankees fan. But I don't like our lineup because we have too many guys that strike out. Not contact hitters. The Red Sox won the World Series with two out hitting. Not home runs. They, they hit the ball. They had guys on the team that hit 300-plus. Going off of this whole thing, I I really don't see Ramuto being a bust in my opinion. I just think he's gonna get better. Look at look at look at Christian Yelich. The man was on the Miami Marlins. wasn't putting up the best numbers. wasn't putting up like amazing numbers. I mean, everyone knew he knew he was a stud, but I mean, he was under underperforming. Can or, can we all agree on that? I agree. Mm-hmm. He goes to Milwaukee, gets a new change of scenery. MVP. It works both ways, though. It works MVP. both ways. Look at Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray was a great pitcher in Oakland, and then he goes to the Yankees, and what did he do? Couldn't live up to the limelight. I don't disagree with your Yelich argument, though, but you also have to think. When he was playing in Miami, he had guys like Stanton, Ozuna, D. Gordon. He had guys that would get on base or hit home runs. He had the opportunity. But I do agree with you in the sense that he went to the Brewers and thrived. Yeah, I think Washington had a great offseason, adding Patrick Corbin. Uh, among Underrated. Kurt Suzuki and others, some other um, key acquisitions with Kyle Bearclaw as their closure as well now from the Marlins. Um, I think Juan Soto's due for a breakout year, possible MVP here. But the Nationals just didn't contend last year. For whatever reason, they were supposed to be the best team in the division. Um, Scherzer had a gr- another great year, but their problem is Strasburg has had a tough time Health staying issues, healthy. Yep. Their lineup is very top-heavy, but they're 
I would argue that their bottom half of the lineup is not going to produce too well. You don't know what you're going to get from Victor Robles, one of the top prospects in baseball who should yep. be starting this year. But I just don't see them right now as favorites to win the division right now. But I think they're I think they're up there for sure. Moving on uh, to the NBA now, let's talk a little bit about the Eastern Conference in which the Raptors are currently second place in the East with the with the Bucks first. Do you guys think that these Bucks are going to fall off, or do you think that they are the favorites right now? I've been a Giannis fan since he's been in the league. The man is a freak. His the name league freak. He, his name's his name describes how he plays. He, the euro step that he has, the height that he has, the strength that he has, the length, the length that he has. He has more length than Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, and he is stronger. Way stronger than Kevin Durant. He, I mean, he's bodying some centers. The man's a freak. Giannis is the best player in basketball if he had the jump shot, oh. and he's still and he's still top three. Oh, of course. I mean, I, I think I don't see this dialing down or slowing down the train. I mean, they got Chris Middleton, they got Eric Bledsoe. I mean, they just have playmakers around them. Brooke Lopez is having a decent year. Shooting threes. Shooting threes, literally. <laughs> I mean, you don't need much more. I mean, hey, you need some three-point shooters. You're surrounding Giannis by saying, listen, you take that ball to the rack. If you don't have anything, then kick it out and we'll shoot a three. Well, that's the thing. He's underrated as a passer as well. You know, it, he, he learned from LeBron in the aspect that you can play bully ball, but if you can get your teammates involved, it opens the floor up. And it does, because if you look at him drive, how many guys are on him? Oh, three, three, four. Three or four. And, and he's and still dunking on people. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he collapses that defense so much that, oh, a little kick out to Chris Middleton, three buckets. I mean, it's just how it is. I mean, the defenses are collapsing so much to try to overcompensate on Giannis that it's leaving their whole Bucks team open. And it'll be interesting It'll be very interesting. I I could see Bucks versus um versus Toronto. I could see it. In the Eastern Conference yeah. Finals. In the finals. I mean, you have Kawhi, you have Kawhi versus Giannis. See, this, I mean, the great the greatest uh, defensive player in the league. The current four and five seasons right now in the East are the Sixers and the Celtics, yeah. who match up right now if the season ended today with first round matchup between. Arguably, two of the best teams in the East. I mean, I, I think that the Bucks and Raptors are still ahead of both of those teams. But, on paper, those two teams are could be considered the, the two best teams in the East. If you, I see... I don't see the Bucks and Raptors facing each other in the Eastern Conference Finals. I see either the Sixers or the Celtics emerging. I think their experience will help. I don't think the Bucks have much playoff experience and they haven't executed well in previous years, and I I just don't see the Bucks making it there. I I do think Kawhi is capable of taking the Raptors to the Eastern Conference Finals and then to the NBA Finals, but I don't know if the Raptors have enough star power alongside Kawhi. We're talking about the Raptors here. Just because LeBron isn't in the East doesn't mean that the Raptors are not going to be some great super team in the playoffs. Every year, this team is the number one seed in the East. And every year, they get bounced before the Eastern Conference Finals. Don't get me wrong. I, I agree that, that Kawhi Leonard brought a different culture to that team. I don't disagree. But they, they still got Kyle Lowry, 
The man is a no-show in the playoffs. Every year he does not show up time and time again. You got rid of DeMar DeRozan, who's the heart and soul of the Raptors. Kawhi Leonard didn't want to go play in the Raptors. He didn't want to go up to Toronto. He's playing. He's doing his thing. I don't disagree. But when you look at it right now, if the season ended today, you got the four or five seeds of the 76ers and the Celtics. I agree with you in the sense that they're, they're both a top three team in the East. They just haven't played like it. When the, the Celtics are healthy, they're one of the toughest teams to beat. They're deep, they can shoot, and they play defense. And on top of it, they're young. But if you think about it, the 76ers made one of the best trades at the deadline, getting Tobias Harris. That is, that's a killer. And they barely gave up anything for him. They, their starting five is really, really good. They got Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, J.J. Redick, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. Like, that's a starting five. Now, don't get me wrong. If Ben Simmons had anywhere close to a jump shot, they'd probably be the best team in the East. But I'll tell you right now, the best team in the East is the Bucks for this reason and this reason only. They have five players that play defense. They have five players that can score the ball. They don't have a single liability that in their starting five on either end of the floor. Brooke Lopez can protect the rim. Eric Bledsoe can guard anybody in the one or two. You got Malcolm Brogdon, who can guard anybody at the one or two. You got Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's disgusting. I mean, this is just this is just outrageous what you're talking about right now. You're talking about the Bucks, the best team in the East, after just tearing best team down in the, the best team in the NBA. Get it right okay. in the NBA. In the NBA, after just tearing down the Raptors for horrible playoff success in the last couple of years, so. Clearly, those two did not line up because the Bucks have had not had success either. And then if we're just talking starting lineups here, top five, clearly the Sixers have the best starting lineup in the East. I mean, you have Ben Simmons, J.J. Redick, Jimmy Butler, Tobias J. J. Redick Harris, doesn't play defense. and Joel Embiid. That's J. J. the Redick five play best players of any team in the East. J.J. Redick's overrated. All he can do is shoot deeper. threes. Bucks are clearly deeper than the Sixers. I'll give them that, and that's what makes them a better team. But if we're just talking... Starting five. How many wins then does the Bucks have? The Sixers. 51. 51. I got to disagree with both of you here. I think the top two teams in the East right now are definitely the Raptors because <coughs> for the sole reason. Say, hey, say what you want. Say what you want. Did you watch the game the other night when they were the other team was passing that ball around for 25 seconds on the shot clock? They played defense for 25 seconds on that shot clock, and that's the first time I've seen true defense in the NBA in the regular season. Again, the regular season is different for the postseason. But here's the thing. Kawhi has been there. Kawhi can do this. He knows what he has to do. He knows what it takes. And I just, don't, don't get me wrong. Kyle Lowry is one of the best defending point guards in the league. He is. He is. With steals, he's up there. He's top. He's top. Kawhi Leonard, former defensive player of the year. They got Marcus Saul. They, I, I just think they're, I think they're a good team. I think they really are. And I think the Celtics, with their depth, with uh, Terry Rozier, Scary Terry, I mean, look at what he did last year. He, he just came in in the playoffs and started balling out. And Kyrie, Kyrie Irving this year hasn't been having a good year. He's been having a down year. But if you've noticed over the past week or so, a couple weeks, he's been heating up. Their whole team has. I just think you can't overlook the Celtics. I think if we have the first round matchup with the Celtics versus the 76ers, it's gonna be a good it's gonna be a good, good series. And right, I don't I, I don't think we'll be disappointed. I got a great question for you. 
If LeBron was still on the Cavs, who are you taking in the East? If LeBron is on the, still ca- on the Cavs, is on the Cavs, but Kawhi is on the Raptors. Kawhi's, yeah. Who you taking in the East? Raptors, because but, but, the soul, but the Cavs the make but the Cavs make the Eastern Conference Finals with simply LeBron being on their team. I yes. So that 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 debunks your argument about the Celtics, the 76ers, and apparently mine. No, no, no. We're saying no. I'm saying this. I'm saying this. If the if you're tell, if you're asking me if the Raptors versus the Cavs happen in the playoffs, is that what you're asking me? Sure. Yeah, who wins? Yeah, who wins? I'm, I say the Raptors because here's for the sole reason why. Here's the sole reason why. Kawhi knows LeBron. He's met him in the playoffs before, and he has beaten him. So it's DeMar simple. DeMar 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 Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry, and Demar Derozan. They've how many times? How many years in a row had the Toronto Raptors been the number one seed? Twice. Twice. Two years. What about the year, year before that too? They were the second. Second seed, still top top three team in the East, correct? Okay. Mm-hmm. Every single year, who they play first round, or or in the in the first two rounds before they made it to the conference finals? LeBron. Exactly. Not the Cavs. Exactly. LeBron. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. If a team beats you two years in a row because of one man, not the team, one man beat you, you get that in your head. You get that stuck in your head. And be with DeMar DeRozan gone, I think Kawhi Leonard brings a fresh presence to the locker room. And I think Le- he's, he's the best matchup. DeMar DeRozan isn't going to lock down LeBron. Get out of here. Kawhi Leonard... Definitely would bring a defensive attitude, and he'd bring a winning mentality. Saying, "Listen, you guys are all got your heads up your butts. Get him out, and let's start." This is the, he, he's just, a human. I was just trying to show you the LeBron effect because if you think about it, every team in the East, what did they do at the trade deadline? They were buyers because they all think that they can win. They all think they can make the finals. The Celtics, the Seventy Sixers, the Bucks. It, you know, if Oladipo didn't get hurt. Even the Pacers would have been in the conversation. The Pacers are without Oladipo, and they're still a top three team in the East. Don't forget that. They're not a top three but, team. But they're still a top three team in the East in without the standings. Oladipo. Without Oladipo. In the standings. Yes. In the standings. I'm yeah. not saying that the Pacers are going to do anything, but I'm saying right now, without Oladipo, everybody thought that the Pacers were going to drop from the top three in the East to the bottom, bottom, you know, five, six, seven. They're still at three. They're still winning games. Okay, so I, which which of these teams in the East, if any, has the best chance of beating the Warriors this year in the finals? I gotta go with the Bucks. In my opinion, I gotta go with the Bucks. The length, I think it's gonna it's gonna help stop Kevin Durant's jumper. I think it's gonna help lock them down. They got they have a true big in Brooke Lopez who can help put a body on uh, Boogie. Um, Boogie definitely has the advantage, but I think it's definitely something. Um, that could happen. I mean, also the 76ers. I mean, you got to look at the 76ers all around. I mean, Ben Simmons, can, you got to go by size wise as well. Ben Simmons can put something on Klay Thompson. I mean, or Steph Curry, whichever, or um, Tobias Harris. I mean, Joel Embiid. I mean, I, I like that matchup. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, I think the Bucks have the best chance as of right now. But if we're going to make that other argument, I think definitely the Bucks. All right, moving on to the NFL here. Let's talk about free agency a little bit. Uh, this week has finally been the week where things have shaken up a little bit. And, uh, you know, you have Le'Veon going to the Jets. You got Antonio Brown being traded to the Raiders. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. being traded to the Browns. Nick Foles signing with the Jaguars, etc. Many different guys signing this week. Uh, what is your take on this? Specifically first here with Le'Veon Go into the Jets for less than what the Steelers would have given him. I love it. 
I'm a Bills fan, and I love it. Bring him to New York, and we don't even know what this man can still do. He sat out the entire year last year because of a contract. He's selfish. He wants what he can get for, his, for himself and doesn't care about his team. He's going to rip that locker room to shreds. And I love it. It's going to internally destroy the New York Jets. And I love it. Because if you look at it, like you said, Le'Veon Bell got less money signing with the Jets than the Steelers would have offered him. And we don't even know what this man can do anymore. The Jets were reportedly worried about his body fat because he's gotten bigger because he hasn't been working out. I mean, he, I'm assuming, I, bet he gets, I bet he's still a good running back, but I mean, I'm, I don't know about you guys, but are you guys a little worried about this signing? Are you guys a little bit like worried that he's not hit Le- the Le'Veon Bell that we knew with like Antonio Brown that year? My take on Le'Veon Bell, and this speaks for the Steelers organization as a whole, Le'Veon Bell was a product of the fact that he had Big Ben Roethlisberger, Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster, Antonio Brown, Jesse James. He had players around him that were top-tier players. You know, not Jesse James, per se, but Juju's a number one. Antonio Brown's a top-three receiver in the league. Le'Veon Bell, the only reason that I like Le'Veon Bell more than most running backs is because he can catch the football. He's dual threat. He's like a Christian McCaffrey, but the fact that he will run through somebody, he's not just relying on his agility. Now, with that being said, it was proven last year that you could pretty much plug in any running back in the Steelers' system and still get production. Mm -hmm. I love James Conner. He's a great story. But he's not Le'Veon Bell, but he's still produced. You know, and and that's the thing. That's why. Was it the offensive line? Was it. See, I think it's just the, the organization in Pittsburgh. You know, you got Mike Tomlin, who's a great head coach. You know, yes, he, he has his antics, but he, he's a great head coach. Yeah, and we've seen this at the Patriots, too. You put in any wide receiver, it's you're a in, system. you're out, and you get great production all around, no matter the name of the player that you're bringing in or the previous statistics that he's had years before. Exactly. And, and you know, I, I like the idea of Le'Veon Bell going to the Jets solely for the fact that maybe the last time the Jets have had a good running back. You but can't. Well, I, mean, he, I mean, he, he was, was still he was the, old. The last time, but, I mean, the, last the, last time the Jets had a good running back was Chris Ivory. Honestly. They, he good? St- <laughs> but, but, but statistically speaking, <laughs> it, that was the last time they had a running back that did anything for them. You know, and, and that's the thing, you know, with a young quarterback in Sam Darnold, a very young core, a new head coach, Le'Veon Bell, if he does his job and he isn't a distraction off the field, could be very, very helpful to that organization. All right, so let me ask you this. Who is the favorite in the, in the AFC North now? Oh, the Browns. Hands down the Browns. Hands down with, the Browns. With, with Baker Mayfield. Now, don't he, and this is even with Baker having a sophomore slump. They're the favorite. They have the best offense on the, on, in the AFC North. You can't give me anybody else that has a better offense than the Browns right now. You can't. The, the Steelers, they have Juju and James Conner. That's it. Ben Roethlisberger's old as dirt. Uh, the Ravens, they got debunked in the playoffs when Lamar Jackson had, what, uh, 100 yards in the first half against the Chargers because all he could do was run the ball. And he lost one of his biggest weapons in John Brown. Uh, they don't have a running game. So the Ravens are out. And, oh, wait, who's the other team? I'm pretty sure the the quarterback's a ginger. Uh, oh, wait, 
Andy Dalton and the Cincinnati Bungles. They suck. The only player they have, other than Joe Mixon, is A.J. Green, and that man can't stay healthy. You're telling me right now the Browns don't have the best offense? Not only in the AFC North, potentially in all of football. Because they also signed Kareem Hunt. They got Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, OBJ, David Njoku, and Jarvis Landry. With the quarterback that likes to throw the football. They're dangerous. And on top of it, they've got young studs on defense. Who? Miles Garrett. They got Miles Garrett. They got Miles Jack. They have... What the heck's the guy's name that plays defensive tackle? I want to say... Let's not make up names here. So uh, going, not, off, going, off of, going off of what you said while he's looking up that name, um, I, I got to agree with him. I think it's hands down the Cleveland Brownies. I mean, the laughing stock of the NFL. <laughs> the, the guy from the Jets, Sheldon Richardson. Stud. He's yeah. A stud. Yeah. And um, let's just look at it this way. We're going to carry over. We're going to go through the free agency thing top to bottom. Baltimore, top of the division, won the division. Lost Flacco. Don't get me wrong, you have Lamar Jackson coming in. Young stud. Can we see what he can do with his arm? I don't know. We'll see. I think he's all legs. He's kind of, he reminds me of like a little bit like a little bit better of a Tyrod Taylor. Um, more athletic RG3. A little bit more. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you've got to look at this. They lost their leader in Terrell Suggs. They lost Eric Weddle. They lose John Brown. And CJ Mosley. And CJ Mosley. That's four of their top players. That's four of them. Maybe not Flacco anymore, but I mean, you got those other guys. And the only reason Flacco, I believe, lost his job was because Lamar Jackson came in while he was injured. I mean, that's that's how we got to here. So I take them off the list immediately. I, I say they come in third. I say they come in third. I think they had the worst offseason available. I think they had the worst offseason. They just signed um, Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram. And Earl Thomas. They did, sign Tur- they did sign Thomas. Yep. yep. They signed Earl Thomas, but I, I don't... It's not enough. It's not enough. It's not, it, enough. It, it, it's not good enough for me. It is not good enough for me. you got to understand, the, the Browns still have a first-round pick. They, they still have a first-round pick. And they have... not impact this year as much. Okay, so moving on. Pittsburgh Steelers. Lost on Tony Brown. Lost on Le'Veon Bell. Two of their top players. And... While they, they may have been cancer in the locker room, with the dr- drama that surrounded that locker room and that whole Steelers franchise this these past couple of years, with the everyone hates Ben Roethlisberger and everyone's mad at him for not throwing the ball to them and all this good stuff. I mean, Mike Tomlin's got to step up. What is Mike Tomlin doing? You guys are saying he's a great coach. In my opinion, he is probably the worst coach in the NFL. He is literally getting bossed around by his own players. He had control of the locker room. He had control of the locker room. Four years ago, four years ago when the young Antonio Brown was there, when he had completely control of that locker room. It's because they were winning. They were winning. But when something went wrong, just like that, they all turned on him, and Mike Tomlin could not stand up to any of them. He backed down. It said, uh, uh, they're both prima donnas, though. Exactly. Le'Veon Bell's a prima donna. Antonio Brown's a prima donna. They want their money. They want the fame. They're they all want smoke the shows. They're smoke shows. If you think about the Steelers, when you think about the Steeler pedigree, you got guys like Troy Palomalu, James Harrison, Larry Foote, Ben, Le- ben Roethlisberger, and then this isn't even talking about the greats, like way back greats, okay? You have a pedigree. 
And there's always been a pedigree on Mike Tomlin teams. They haven't had it. They haven't had it for the for the sole purpose that yes, they've had players that are skilled, but they're not they're not even remotely disciplined. I'm gonna argue with the with the Ravens as the best team in the division. I think they win the division this year, going ten and six, um, having a great year this year, this past year. Obviously, we mentioned a couple of their um, losses that they've um, had this off season, but I think. What we're overlooking here with the Browns is the egos on the team. Um, I think, obviously, adding Kareem Hunt is not going to be an easy locker room situation right away after having just a really quick absence last year with the Chiefs. You have a quarterback, Baker Mayfield, leaving the team with so much pressure on him in his sophomore year. And he doesn't even... He's not a great leader himself yet, I would argue. You have Jarvis Landry, who's always starting on the field fights. You have... Odell Beckham Jr., who hasn't been complacent with a quarterback in years. And I just don't see this team... He hasn't had a quarterback in years. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't see this team being able to piece it together enough. I I would agree that they have the most talent of any team in the NFC North. On paper. On paper, yes. I agree. But I don't think that they can make it through the whole season as a locker room and win the division. Listen, listen. Baker Mayfield doubted his height, doubted his character. Oh, no, we got the new Johnny Manziel coming in. Proved him wrong. What did Johnny Manziel do, or what did Baker Mayfield do for the Cleveland Browns since he has been a starter? Win. Win. He's brought Cleveland winning. I don't see that changing him. People are going to say, oh, he's got a sophomore slump coming up. No, he doesn't. Get out of here with that BS. Stop it. That man has been proving people wrong since day one. Size, arm, the ability to like not do anything stupid. He's actually his team record in game started this year. He's seven and seven. It's six and seven actually. He's six and seven. Six and seven in games that he started. Okay, but look at those games though. You got you he's, have your coach. You have your, a, you have your guy. As a quarterback, he's seven and seven because he didn't start the game that he beat the Jets. Okay. So he's seven and seven as a quarterback. In the NFL. That's with the crap Browns who hadn't won a game all of last year. He brought them. Who hadn't won a game up until the point that he came in at halftime. He drove them down the field in less than two minutes before halftime when Tyrod got hurt and, and they scored. Baker Mayfield has that mantra, that swagger, that I'm going to punch you in the mouth, can you handle it type of atmosphere. The man woke up and said he felt dangerous and threw four touchdowns. Like, He's got weapons now. He, he, he was throwing balls. He was throwing balls. All right, wrapping up here. This Sunday is Selection Sunday, so preliminary picks to win the national championship. Who do you guys have? It, it's a toss-up. If Zion's healthy, Duke's damn near unbeatable. I mean, I'm watching the game right now, Duke versus Syracuse, and that man Zion's ridiculous. I, he had 21 in the first half. Out of 34 points of 9 of 9 shooting. Coming off of injury. Coming off of an injury. And I, lo- I love Zion Williams. I love everything about him. Love the go, like the killing mentality of him. He First thing he says is um, to the to the critics who say, don't play another game of college. He said, nah, I'm going I'm to do my thing. I'm going to play college. Like, I'm going to win this Coach K another ring. I'm going to give him another championship. It's going to happen. And I... I mean, Duke chokes every single year in the tournament. And 
They just I, got too I, much firepower they, to not they, win. You, you can't not. You have R.J. Barrett, Cam Jones, Cam Reddish. I feel like we're saying this every year with these Duke teams. Okay, though. okay. You have these no, 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 no. guys that are but coming in. But you, you, ha- you have to look. It's the same thing with Mar- Kentucky, Marvin Bagley. Though. Who are we talking about? Marvin Bagley? We're talking about Marvin Bagley, Jason Tatum. I mean, if, if you have Jason Tatum and Zion Williamson, I mean, don't get me wrong. Jason Tatum's a great player. But he's nothing compared to Zion Williamson. I think if you have him on the same team right now, you pick Zion Williamson over Jason Tatum. Oh, yeah, but there's... More players considered on these teams. Yeah, I mean, no, you're just I, I don't guys, disagree. You know, they're, it's, they're it's, good it's tough. Players. It's tough, but I mean, I'll tell you right now. I'll give you a sleeper dog. team for for the NCAA tournament. Who's your sleeper? Nevada, for the sole sole purpose that they're they're a mid major team. They're not getting all the hype that the teams like Duke, Virginia, all these teams that are beating up on each other are getting because they don't play in a major conference. They were ranked in the top five at the beginning of the season. They were undefeated. They were like 13, 14, and zero. They they have experience. Every single player on the team is the it, are returned from their Elite Eight trip last year. Nevada is a team to watch out for. They're going to be a three or a four, maybe a five seed. They're a team to watch to watch out for. With those twin brothers, they they're good. They're I very think, good. I I don't see Duke winning at all this year for the sole reason that the last five years, all the national champions. Um, since the 2015 Duke team that won it all, I mean, you had Jaleel Okafor, Justice Winslow, Tyus Jones, that team was all freshman dominated. But I think the last couple of years, you mean, you had Villanova winning two of the last three with senior dominated teams, yeah. as well as Carolina winning it in 2017. I think the teams that have been winning it recently are the experienced teams. And for that reason, I don't see Duke winning it again this year. And that's, I think they are the most talented team, but I, I think the trend in the tournament has been so gets these experienced teams getting hot, knowing how to play together, and I and that's for for that reason I don't think Duke will win. I think Michigan's a sleeper, even though they might Great even be a one seed. Team. But they were there last year; they were in the finals last year. They and they're coached by John Beeline, who's been there many times. You know, coaching is underrated in the NCAA tournament. It's underrated. There's a reason that Tom Izzo's one of the greats. Bill Self is one of the greats. And, you know, even Coach K. You know, Coach K's got so many other accolades. But if you think think about it, when it comes down to winning, Bayheim's got one. And that was when he had Carmelo Anthony, who was probably the best college basketball player in that era. Okay? Bayheim's greatness is the fact that he can take teams that are 9, 10, 11 seeds to the to the final four, but he's not in the level. I don't of believe coach. he's. I don't believe he's a great. He, he's not in. He's the, a great. In, he's a good coach, but not a Hall of Fame coach. But, but to my point, when you have good coaching, it, it gives you an extra edge in the tournament mm-hmm. because you can have great players. Like Duke has always had great players. Kentucky has always had great players, but that doesn't mean anything. It's about how the coach can get you to do what you have to do to win. And that's why I, I agree with you in the sense that Duke's young and they have a lot of talent, and on paper they're the best team. But to get egos like Zion's and R.J. Barrett's and Cam Reddish, the top three picks in next year's draft most likely, to play together and realize, hey, not, not a single one of us has to play hero ball when we're tied against a team that we should smoke. And that's what I really like about Carolina this year. I think that they are... They're playing their best basketball right now, emerging as 
number three in the country right now, playing some great ball, coached by Roy Williams. You know, he's they've had a lot of great success in the tournament in the last couple of years. And I see this team, yes, they're pretty young, but they have some senior leaders on their Luke team. May. Cam Johnson and Luke May, who have been here before. And and I, I don't think they rely on one guy, and that's why I see this team making a push this year in the tournament. And so I right now I'm going to pick Carolina to win it all just because of the sole reason that I don't see Gonzaga and Virginia as the other one seeds making a push. I'll into never, the I, could, I could never bet Virginia ever again. <laughs> you know, they're not a tournament can, team. Can't, can't do that. Cannot bet on Virginia after what happened last year. I mean, look at. I agree with you, Justin. I completely agree. I mean, look at look at North Carolina. Their point guard is a stud. I never. I watched them for the first time when they were playing Syracuse. Dude dropped twenty nine or thirty one points on us, and I go. Who the heck is this guy? Kobe Who White. is he? Kobe White. Like, think, the dude think, is dropping bombs Think on about us. every good North Carolina team, though. In, in, our, in our generation, the past 10 years, Marcus Page, Joel Berry. You know, you got to have a guy that runs the show. You got to. That's Point unselfish. Kendall Marshall. Kendall Marshall. Kendall Marshall. I mean, you got players. I mean, it, it goes all These the way These guys were all seniors, though, so let's not put that pressure uh, on Kobe White. But, but, but in the sense of but, yeah, I you have to have – if you think about the tournament, look at when UConn won it all. Kemba Walker. Look at when they won it with Shabazz Napier. Mm-hmm. Okay? Great guard play. It, great guard play in the tournament is going to win you games. Why do you think Syracuse won when they were up a 13 seed or whatever it was way back? They had a great guard that carried them all the way there. All right, we're going to wrap it up here, folks, but we want to thank you for listening to Bleacher Ball, and we hope that you tune in to our next episode. This is Justin, Matt, and Robin. We want to thank you again.